Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Stand to your feet with me one more time. God is good. I want to pray a blessing over all the fathers today and the mothers. And I mean, you know, raising a family, you need all the help you can get. Father, we're so grateful to be here today. We love you. We praise you. Your word is amazing. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Four fathers to be are in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They're in the waiting room in the maternity ward. And they're waiting for their first babies to be born. And of course, that's a huge metroplex there. And so uh, the nurse comes out after a couple of hours and says to one father, said, congratulations, your wife just had twins. He said, that's interesting. I work for the Minnesota Twins. And then a few hours later, the nurse came out and said uh, to the next father, congratulations, you just had triplets. And he said, well, I work for the 3M company. Then later, there was a nurse that came out to the third father and said, let me tell you, you really deserve congratulations because you just had quadruplets, four babies. And he said, I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. And the last father was very nervous, profusely sweating. That I work for the Seven Up Company. That would be alarming, wouldn't it? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. This is a passage of Scripture you're very familiar with, and I'm going to begin at verse number 1. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but the fear of the Lord. Uh, Fear the Lord and depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now that's a powerful passage, and this is Solomon And the way he begins this book that we call Proverbs is um, very interesting. He begins with the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, 21 times in this book, he refers to my son. About nine times, he refers to children. So much of this is passing on the wisdom and the word that Solomon has for the generations that are going to follow him. Now, if we drop down to verse number 8 of Proverbs chapter 1, he says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. And I've said this for many years. The father can give you the instruction, but mama lays down the law, doesn't she? So, uh, this is highly family relational here. And I think you would agree with me, our culture has almost emasculated the fathers and the male in our society. Now, I don't want to shock you, but this has been a slow progress and a process through culture that the men, and uh, certainly 
uh, we see that in many different ways. The men have been diminished in their position and in their strength and in their character. Uh, Jenna Goudreau, who wrote for Forbes magazine, she points out, and let me just say what she said, we've gone from father knows best to father knows nothing. As the feminists have built, moms began to overshadow the dads and who played the part of the well-meaning idiot. In the late 80s and the 90s, the television shows featured the rise of the idiot dads, shows like The Simpsons, Family Guy, Al Bundy, and Married with Children. And certainly we have been cooked in the culture that the uh, power, the strength of fathers has slowly diminished. And that's not really what the Bible really teaches, is it? You know, uh, just doesn't mean you're a man. Just because you can uh, father a child doesn't make you a dad. So there are some aspects here that I think we really need to understand. Uh, Billy Graham said this, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our entire society. And that's really true. Uh, let me just say this, if we had a whole lot of great fathers in the United States, a lot of the stuff that you see on the news would not be going on. I deserve a bigger amen than that. It would not be going on. How important is fathers to our culture, our society, and especially the home? One in four live in a home without a father. Children living in a home without a father is over four times more likely to live in poverty. Individuals from fatherless homes are 279% more likely to carry guns and deal drugs than their peers who are living with their fathers. Children in homes without a father have more emotional and mental be, uh, problems and behaviors. Women with absent fathers are more likely to have children with absent fathers. Kids with absent fathers are twice as likely to be obese. 85% of youth who are currently in prison grew up with fatherless homes. 75% of all rapists are motivated by the displaced anger that's associated with feelings of abandonment that involves their father. 90% of youth in the United States who decide to run away from home or become homeless for any reason, originally come from a fatherless home. How many of you know it's a big deal? It's a big deal. What about the church? What about their spiritual upbringing? If a mother attends church on a regular basis and the father does not attend, only 2% of the children will become regular attenders to a church. 37% will become irregular attenders. 60% of the children will leave the church. If the father is irregular in attendance, but the mother is regular in attendance, 3% of the children will become regular attenders, 59% will become irregular, 38% will leave their faith. If the father and the mother both attend on a regular basis, so fathers, let me just uh, compliment you for being here today. You could be a lot of other places, but you're here today. And so kudos to you. And one of the things that's been said about Ray of Hope and the church here, and, and certainly I believe that, and, and I want to commend you on it, is the, the number of men who belong to this church. And I've heard it from so many people. They walk in and say, gosh, there's a lot of guys here. There's a lot of men here. There's a lot of fathers here. And listen, you can be a real man and still go to church and love Jesus. I tell you what, it takes more courage, more strength, more gall to stand up in a culture like we have today to love Jesus than it does to be out here doing what men are doing. Can I hear an amen? So if the father and the mother both attend on a regular basis, 33% of their children will become regular churchgoers, 41% will become irregular church attenders, and only 25% will not participate in a spiritual life. And it's so important. 
Fred Jones gave this quote, if fatherless homes were classified as a disease, we would be in an epidemic today. And we're in an epidemic today. Do you know that the city or the state or the, the county never had to give me a curfew? Never had to get one from some government official. I tell you who gave me the curfew, and that was Fred. I remember one night, I passed my dad on the country roads about midnight, and he wasn't out for a midnight drive. He was looking for me, and honey, it wasn't good. You see, fathers are so important, not only in the church, but outside the church. And if we could get our fathers reignited and engaged in America, we would fulfill what the prophetic word says, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts back to the fathers. But we are swimming upstream, and it takes some strong fish to swim upstream. And I'm looking at some flounders right here today. Some trout, some salmon. So what are we doing? We're doing what we should do. Can I hear an amen? amen? Proverbs 3. Let's go back there. Let's see what it says. Verses 1 through 4 deal with three important things that he says that we should initiate in our life. And as a father, we should initiate in the life of our family. Number one, he said, is God's Word. Say that with me. God's Word. How many of you know God's Word is very important? You say, well, I don't see that there. Well, I see it. It's, it said law, commandments, and truth. How many of you know that's God's Word? What is truth? His Word is truth. So God's Word is truth. Now, verse 1, he said, don't forget it. Verse 2, he said, keep it in your heart. Verse 3, he said, bind it around your neck and write it upon the tables of your heart. He said, listen, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you come in, you go out. He said, share the Word, share the Word, share the Word. They literally took the word and wrapped it around their arms, bound it on their foreheads, and that's okay. But let me tell you, he didn't want it to be on your forehead. He wanted it to be in your brain, your mind, your heart, your life. And so, therefore, that's why you ought to bring your kids and have them in children's church, have them in class, have them in here to listen. Why? God's word works. And we need to have God's word. Because let me tell you, your friends will fail you. Uh, economy will fail you. Sometimes your job will fail you. Sometimes a family member will fail you. Yeah, hello, they will. But God will never fail you. But you got to be connected. And I have to be connected. So we want to be connected to the Lord. So he said, don't forget it. Keep it in your heart. Bind it on your neck. Write it upon the tables of your heart. So we're transferring. We're proclaiming. We're preaching the Word of God. We're reading it. We're studying it. We hear it. The second thing he said was mercy. Now, I think this mercy here is not only receiving mercy, but it's also giving mercy. We need to live in a culture, you need to have a home, a family, that not only receives mercy, but gives mercy. You see, the same Hebrew word here that's used in mercy is translated several different ways in your Bible. Same word, but it appears in a different way in different verses. Let me give you some of the ways that mercy is translated. Same Hebrew word, it's kindness, goodness, and pity. Kindness, goodness, and pity. How many of you know, fathers, we need to be kind. We need to be good. We need to have pity. We need to have mercy. Let me tell you, I need mercy. Whatever man soweth, that shall he also what? Receive and get. So we need to have mercy in our homes. The third thing is truth. Not just the truth of the Word of God, but living a life of truth. How many of you know, this is not, as we said, not some philosophical thing. This is a life that we live. This is how we walk this out. 
So our kids need to see us fathers, moms, living in truth. And sometimes it's hard to confess the truth, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to deal with the truth. We have to live a life of truthfulness. We have to become an honest person, a dependable person. You, you, you heard me say one time when we were at the grocery store, we were at the IGA, and, and you know when you check out, they have all those goodies right there in the checkout line. Well, Aaron was about this big, and I paid out. We were walking out the car, and he's got a candy bar in his hand. I said, son, where'd you get the candy bar? He said, well, right there off that shelf while you were checking out, Dad. I said, did you pay for it? He said, no. I said, I didn't pay for it. So we turned around the parking lot, marched back in, little lady there at the checkout. And I said, son, you're going to hand this candy bar back to her and said, you took it and you didn't pay for it. Goodness gracious, he was as low as you could get right at that moment. He hated it. I mean, he absolutely was so embarrassed. I'll guarantee you, you couldn't cram a candy bar in his hand after that. You know what we did? We had a life lesson. And so we're living in honesty. We're living in truth. And let me tell you, if we live that dad, then guess what? They'll pick it up. It's not only taught, it's caught. So we have to be careful that we live in truth. Now, here's the positive results of this. It's right there in the verse. I'm not making this up. Look at me and say, he's not making that up. That's the word of God. Now listen, he says, if you do this, if you stay in the word, if you have mercy, if you live in truth, you will have a long life. You will live in peace and favor and high esteem will come to you from men and God. You know, when I pray for my family and I pray for my kids, anybody here pray for their kids? Have they left home and you're still praying for them? Oh yeah. I remember many times praying for my children and I prayed this way, God, give them favor with you and men. Give them favor with you and men on their job. Whatever they're doing in their work, give favor with men to them. How many of you know sometimes God can put you in position, but somebody else can, they can promote you. They can lift you up. They can give you the raise. They can give you the job. They can give you the bid. They can give you, you know, what you need. So we're praying for not only favor with God, we're praying for favor with men. And he says that if we do these things, long life, peace, favor with God, and men would come to our lives. So He's saying here, son, here's some action points now that you can do because how many of you know God will do his part, but we have to do our part. Okay. So I can't just say, God, there it is. You do it. I've got a part to play. So look here in verse number five. He says, now, son, this is what you do. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. Trust in the Lord. Now, this is having confidence in. This is being secure in, being bold in, I'm trusting God. Let me tell you why. If you're a believer, you're a strong believer, if you're walking in mercy and truth in God's Word, the storm will still hit your life. It doesn't keep you from storms. It doesn't keep you from trouble. It doesn't keep the rain away. It doesn't keep the, the wolf from the door, right? But if you're there with God... And, and you're trusting the Lord, how many of you know the Lord will see you through? He, he'll either stop the storm or take you through the storm, but He doesn't keep the storm always from us. So we have to trust in the Lord. Now look at verse number 7. He said, fear the Lord. Now, now son, this is what God's going to do, but here's what you should do. Number one, trust the Lord. Verse 7, fear the Lord. 
Now that word fear is not being afraid of God, but it's reverencing God. God is weighty. He's holy. He's awesome. So you fear Him. You esteem Him in this way. You, you trust Him. You fear Him. Look at verse 9. Honor the Lord. Now one of the ways he said honor the Lord is with your substance. With the things you have. So this word honor means that He is, he is significant. He is the one who's rich. You say rich? God's rich? Well sure, He owns everything, right? But here's the thing. I honor Him because He's rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. He's rich in love. He's rich in power. So I honor Him for who He is. Tell you what, we, we live in a culture today, they're not honoring the Lord, they're using His name in vain. They're, they're uh, discarding the things of God, not honoring the things of God. So we have to realize that today we should be trusting God, fearing God, and honoring God. So dads, we just don't teach this, we example this. We example it. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. I found out doing is harder than saying. Right? And all the wives said, Amen. Solomon, you can't just write about this. You got to do it. David, you just can't write about this. You got to do it. So it's more than just the teaching and the writing, it is exampling this. And, and Dad, here is our takeaways for today. I'm going to give you five quick things before we leave, and I honor you today. But let me tell you, let me let you be taking something with you today. That'd be all right? Here's the first one. We have to example these things. We example. Say that with me. We example. We, we don't just talk about it. We don't give lip service. We don't just teach it. We example this. We live out the principles. We live out the principles. I shared this in the early service. Some of you have heard me say this. You know, we live out in the country, raise cattle, different things. And, and different times we have hundreds of cattle. And uh, uh, some... Some cows are demon-possessed. I'm just saying. And everybody owns one or two of them. Because you bought them because the reason they were at the sale because someone else realized they were demon-possessed. And they didn't, put the, uh, they didn't put the pentagram brand on the side of the cow. So, I, I've got this one cow, one place that we have, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's horrible. And you can't ever get her up, and, you know, she's wanting to fight you and whatever. So, Aaron, you know, he, he's a you know, big old kid. And, and so, we, we finally get her up with the rest of the cows. And if you know anything about uh, corrals and shoots and working shoots, uh, a lot of times, you know, there, there's a, a lane, a chute that you, where you load them up in the trailer, then there's a lane where you take them to the working chute. And usually there's a little gate in there where you can flip one side to the other. So I get this, uh, this cow up, and, you know, she's trying to fight everybody. And I thought, goodness gracious, I, I, I'm finally gl glad that I got her up, and I'll load her uh, up in the trailer after I work her, you know, and, and we'll sell her and, and get her out of here. And somebody else can cast the demons out. <laughs> so I run her down the lane and had that little gate, flip the wrong way, and run her right back out in the pasture. And this is what Aaron said. He said, all my life, I've only had dad, heard Dad say one bad word. <laughs> oh, listen, I know y'all are holy. <laughs> and and y'all would never, ever do anything like that. But that one time, I said something I shouldn't have said. Aaron looked at me, 
How many of you know dads, you ought to apologize? Now listen, I'm not saying I have a great track record, but let me tell you, one time in all of his life, he said I heard dad say one word that was bad. I'm doing above average. But I'm just bearing my soul here, being transparent. Listen, there are things that happen, and we got to live this out. And it's easier said than done, and you got to live it out every day of your life. And I have to live it out every day of my life. And if you have to apologize, apologize. Say, I'm sorry, shouldn't have done that. You know what you do? You build not only character in yourself, you build character with your kids. And you show, hey, dad's not perfect. He needs to repent. He needs forgiveness. Hey, dads need God, right? So we have to example this out. Here's the second thing. We have to give affirmation. Say that with me. We have to give affirmation. So dads, here's your second takeaway. Give affirmation. Now why? Because sons not only need, daughters not only need correction and discipline, and they do need those things, but they also need affirmation. We, we need to affirm them. Good job. I'm proud of you. Johnny, where's your report card? Oh, somebody's, you know, somebody borrowed it so they could go scare their parents. And no. Uh, you know, good job on the report card. You know, uh, congratulations, affirmation. I was listening to a man way up in his 70s uh, this week share this story. And he said, when I was in high school, I was a very good football player. And he said, one game, I had an outstanding game. He said, I had almost 200 yards rushing. I made five touchdowns in that game. I did really good on defense. And I was so glad when I finished to get with my dad after the game. And I just wanted dad to tell me, you know, that I had a good game. And he says, so when I got with my dad, this is the conversation with my dad. Well, you missed this tackle. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. said, he didn't affirm anything, but he told me all the things I did wrong. And I remember hearing him say this. He said, the greatest role model in my life was my grandfather, and he didn't say his dad. So you know what I took from that? His dad didn't do a lot of affirmation in his life. Everybody needs to be affirmed. Have you found this out? You can do a thousand good things, but everybody will bring up the two wrong things you did. I mean, you know, we need to be affirming the good things, the positive things. Dads, moms, that's what we should be doing. We, we affirmation. This will work maybe one of these years. So we give affirmation. Do you know even Jesus needed affirmation? Remember, the Lord spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What's he getting? He's giving affirmation from his Father, isn't he? Is that a good example? So th this is not just philosophical. This is something that we're doing every day or we should be doing every day. Um, we need to be giving protection, guys. That's the third thing you take away. We need to be giving protection. We live in a culture, we live in a world, we live in a time where the enemy is roaming like a lion to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's looking for your kids. He's looking for your family. He's searching through music and movies and television and peers and friends. He's looking to destroy our families. So fathers, you're not there just to be the priest. 
you're there to be the protector also. And sometimes that's not very fun, is it? Well, everybody else is doing it. All my friends are going there. Why can't I watch this? Why can't I do that? Well, you can't. Why? Because I'm the dad and you're not. Sometimes that may be the reason. I don't know. I remember, um, I always use Aaron, but I guess I practiced on him. But we wouldn't let the kids, when they were smaller, watch The Simpsons. I know it was a cartoon, but there was a lot of things. If you're three, four, five, six, seven, and you're developing your personality, it's probably not the best show for a little kid to watch, right? So I wouldn't let them watch The Simpsons. So uh, one time, I don't know how this happened, but there was some kind of conversation about The Simpsons. And Aaron said, hey, we don't watch The Simpsons at our house. Then he looked at me and he said, Dad, why don't we watch The Simpsons at our house? (laughs) It was so funny at the time. And he didn't understand, but I understood. That's why God gave kids parents. Because they don't understand. They think they do. I mean, the smartest you'll ever be was between 13 and 18. That's why God gives you parents. Because you don't know everything. And so we need to give protection. Uh, We also need uh, to give unconditional love. So the fourth thing is that we need to show unconditional love. And that doesn't mean you approve of everything. Are you with me? There's a lot of things that I've done, I'm sure the Lord hasn't been approval, uh, had approval of or approved of. I'm sure there's some things you've done God didn't approve of. There's things my kids have done I didn't approve of, but I didn't stop loving them. And you didn't stop loving them. So sometimes we have to separate the individual from the act. We love the individual, but we not, may not like what they did. And, and so, you know, the world doesn't really understand that about the church. Let me say that again. The world doesn't understand that about the church. We, we have views, we have positions, things we think is right and wrong, but it doesn't mean that we hate the individual. But because that you hate the sin, they think you hate the individual. And that's not true. Because God has unconditional love. For God so loved the church. No, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, I know He loves the church, but He loves the world. But how many of you know He said, come out of the world? He's calling us out of the world. He said, don't, don't live that way. Don't be that way. But still, he has unconditional love for the world. And, and it's kind of like a prodigal son scenario. You remember the story? I mean, the son comes to his father and says, Dad, I'm tired of living under your rules. I'm tired of living under your house. I'm tired of living under your regulations. I, I don't, I don't want to live with you anymore. Give me my inheritance now. And the father did. I mean... Usually you don't get it till the dad dies, right? So he gives him his, inter- his inheritance. He goes to a far country. He lives a horrible lifestyle. Wine, women, song, you get the picture. He spends all of his money on riotous living, the Bible says. And when he has no more money, usually he has no more friends. And now he takes a job, a horrible job of slopping the hogs. He's feeding pigs. And he is so destitute, there, there's no stimulus checks. There's no unemployment. 
Now he takes this very base, horrible job. Not a good job for a good Jewish boy, right? And he's so hungry, he's thinking about eating the slop. He's feeding to the pigs. Then he has this epiphany. My dad's servants, his employees live better than I am, and I'm his son. I'll arise, go back to my father, and I'll tell him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. If you'll just take me back as a hired hand, I'll be a slave. But, but if you'll take me back, I'm willing to come back. And you know, when he went home, it almost is written in there between the lines. The father was already looking for him before he came. Because when he saw him afar off, that father came running down the road, embraced him, kissed his old stinking neck, and said, take these clothes off of him, put on the best robe, bring on his fingers, shoes on his feet. He said, my son has come home. Let me tell you, that is unconditional love. Did he do wrong? Yes. Did he sin? Yes. Did he waste his inheritance? Yes. But that father still loved him. But here's the key. He did come home. So you ha- we have to come home, right? And so that unconditional love is what we should have in our own life. And, and listen, When we show unconditional love, it doesn't mean that we approve of everything, but we can still love the individual. Now, let me give you the last one. Not only do we example, affirm, protect, and love, we also bless. We bless. You say, Pastor, how important is that? I don't know. Jacob thought it was so important, he tricked his brother out of the blessing. I mean, I believe in the power of the blessing. Because it is thematic through Scripture. Why do we pray for God to bless us? Because we believe there's something tangible about the blessing. So, we should be blessing our kids. Certainly shouldn't be cursing them. But we should be blessing them. Um, Have you been blessing your kids? I used to do that every morning when I let them out at school. Lord bless you, keep you, watch you today. And even when I forgot, they'd stand at the door and say, Dad, uh, you had not blessed us yet. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll bless you. Now, let me share this with you because I think it's important. Do you remember Jacob, the one who kind of connived his father out of the, the birthright blessing? Well, later on, he goes to a foreign country, and, and there, you know, he is, the deceiver got deceived, and he marries, and he comes back to his family, and he's going to reunite with his brother Esau. And when he left, Esau's vowed to kill him. Uh, you, you thought you had a bad family reunion. So he, he's coming back to reunite, and the last thing he knows is Esau's going to kill him. But he's going to go back, and he's praying this would work out okay. So as he's coming back, and, and if you're a Bible reader, you know he even divides his family up in groups, because if one is attacked, maybe you know he, he can get the other ones to safety. But before he really meets uh, that encounter with his brother Esau, he goes out one night by the river, the, the, over the brook Jabbok. It's J-A-B-B-O-K, I think. So he's by the, the brook Jabbok. And there he's alone in the dark. And he senses somebody with him in the vicinity. And I think he thinks maybe it's Esau. And there in the dark, he wrestles with someone. And the Bible says they wrestle really nearly all night long. And now if that had been me, five minutes I'd been breathing heavy and I couldn't go anymore. I'd say, could we take round one, round two, round three? And so they're, they're wrestling through the night and the angel says, let me go. 
And Jacob said, I will not let you go till you bless me. Till you bless me. He thought the blessing was important, didn't he? Till you bless me. And the angel responded. And of course, this is the messenger of God. This is the voice of God that comes through. Now, if you and I are thinking about this, how could Jacob, with all of his shenanigans and all he's done, how could he expect to be blessed? Have you ever thought that? Lord, how could you ever bless me? Look what I've done. Look, look where I've gone. Look, look at the sins I've committed. Look at all the things that I've done. There's no way you could bless me. How do you know God blesses us not because we're good. He blesses us because he's good. It's his mercy that endures forever. So here is Jacob, this conniving guy that hasn't always done good. He says, bless me. And guess what? The Lord blessed him. And he said, no longer shall you be called Jacob. He said, from this day forward, you'll be called Israel. And you know what Israel means? You're a prince with God. You're a prince with God. And the blessing came upon Jacob. And, and let's fast forward. Remember all these kids he has? Remember the 12 tribes named after his sons? Before Jacob dies, he's very sick. He's going to die. The Bible says he leans upon his staff and he calls the kids around. And guess what he does? The Bible says now he lays his hands on his children and he blesses them. Even Joseph's two sons. He blesses them, and He speaks a blessing over each one of them. Listen, dads, moms, let's bless our kids. Let, 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 let's bless our community with our kids. Let our kids go into our community and not wreak havoc, but wreak blessings. Like the arrows in the hand of a mighty man, they're pulled out of the quiver, children, and they're launched to their destiny to our world, to our society, and let them be the answer and not the problem. Goodness gracious, we got too many that's the problem and not the blessing. And one of the reasons is the lack of fatherhood in the home. There's no higher calling in your house than you being the father. And you being the protector. You being the affirmer. You being the example. You being the lover, the blesser. That's what we should be. Now, let me end with this. Revelation chapter 21 is the second to the last chapter in your Bible. Chapter 22 closes it out with an amen. But in chapter 21, the Lord is going to speak to us and He says to those who overcome. Now, how are you and I going to be an overcomer. The Bible tells us we're overcomers by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. Now you may be saying, well, I'm not a big overcomer. I'm not a great overcomer. No, listen. If you have a good testimony of Jesus Christ and you trusted in the blood according to the word, you are an overcomer. How many believe that? And he says, verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, how awesome is it that the God of all heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth, 
would look on you and look on me and say, you are my son and you are my daughter. Wow! That God would say that about people like us. That I will be your father. The Bible says that you've been given the spirit whereby you cry, Abba, Father. You know what that means? You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. And therefore, as sons and daughters of God, guess what? We ought to be walking in the example of our Father. And we ought to walk that example before our kids. Let me tell you something. And this means a lot to me. Because I've become a grandfather. How do you know? A grandparent is a wonderful thing. It's super duper. Until you get there, you'll never know it. So I had my grandkids with me yesterday, and it was an awesome day. But if you bless your kids, and if you're an example to them, you teach them the Word of God, you have truth and mercy and blessing, you protect them, you know what you're doing? You're also doing that for your grandkids. You say, how am I doing it for the grandkids? Well, let me tell you, if you instill that in your kids, there's a great chance they're going to instill that in your grandkids, don't you know? And that's going to be a good thing. And so when my little granddaughter says, Papa, it's a pretty amazing thing. What do you want, honey? You want a Porsche, a house? <laughs> what, what can I get for you? I told you the other day I gave her Cheetos. You see, her parents are food Nazis. You see, they only give her things like Brussels sprouts and broccoli and, and uh, you know, grass-fed beef and chicken. And, but when you're a papa, it don't make no difference. So she says, Papa, we got ice cream? Papa got ice cream. Can I have a cookie before dinner? If you want one, honey, you can have one. So I gave her a Cheeto the other day. She'd never had a Cheeto in her life. That's un-American. I gave her a Cheeto. She looked at it like this thing came from Mars. What is this? She took a bite of it. Her eyes lit up. She said, Papa, I like it. You bless your kids. You be the father, the mother you need to be. Let me tell you what this, this turns into a generational thing. And maybe you're here today, said that didn't happen to me. I didn't have a great father, didn't have that. Listen, I understand, I understand. But it can start with you. You can break the chain. You can break the mold. You can be the person that says, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Amen. Stand to your feet with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.